Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. You might join in your suicide squad. We'll see. My court date is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission weren't more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on my head. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. Is this thing a dog? A dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm gonna go with Afghan hound. Oh my god, is it a werewolf? Yo, they sent me next to a werewolf! Yo, let me out! Hey, hey, he's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish? What's a slang term for a butthole? Think there's any connection? No. No. Alright. Let's get it. This is suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. I'm a superhero! my dad. I'm gonna get you out of real life. I'm going to get you out of here alone. Ratatouille, what do you got? Bird. <laughs> now, now it. Stay off the comp. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steveovich. And James Gunn has done it again in episode 235 today, August 6th, 2021. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is the Suicide Squad movie review. So there's no need to fast forward or look at the detailed section down below. Unless, of course, you want to look at timestamps, which, you know, if we're feeling saucy, maybe we'll put them in there, depending on what we're talking about during this little show of ours. Steve, welcome back to Mikasa. Thank you. Let, let's just get right into it. I, I say, uh, you know, you know, give the, the the spoiler alert right now, as opposed to later on. We're going to be going into spoiler territory. We're going to, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff out of this. So, if you haven't seen the film, you may want to pause us. If not, let's continue. Harley Quinn's in it, Russ. Harley Quinn is let's in it. Let's just get right into spoilers right now. Yeah, exactly. A shark person's in it too. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, first, I want to ask you, Russ. Yes, I love it when you ask me questions, Steve. I want to ask you, um, did you recognize where you saw Polka Dot Man before? Tell me. Where have you seen him, Russ? Oh, I've seen him. (laughs) I've seen him. Where have you seen him, Russ? (laughs) I've seen him. Christopher Nolan's Batman. Ah, nuts. Oh, yeah. Man. 
laugh that I had that one. I was like, oh, yeah. <gasps> Christopher Nolan. Where was he? What, what scene is he in, huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> mm. He is in Batman the Dark Knight. Yeah, yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm clarifying just in case you were wondering uh-huh. if I knew which one. Because okay. he could have been Batman Begins. could have been Batman. Nah, Dark. definitely Batman not Batman Begins. Batman the Dark Knight. Specifically, he was one of the officers during the whole guard with the guns where they're doing the, the salute. Right. And they were able to capture him and they were interrogating him. Yeah. And he gave that wonderful, brief, creepy performance. Which was awesome. Like, like he even that small little bit just helped to just push Batman: The Dark Knight even into even more awesome, legendary territory. It was Harvey Dent who was doing the the old behind closed doors, back alley interrogation for him. He goes, "You're gonna tell me where the Joker is. You're gonna tell me." And he goes, "He goes, you're not gonna kill me." He goes, "No." I'm gonna leave you up to fate. Heads, you die. <laughs> or no, no, it was tails. Tail, you, yeah. you die. Heads, heads, you, you live. live. Tails, you die. He goes, bing. <laughs> well, <laughs> it live to tell another tale. You guys like, <laughs> he goes, but we're gonna try again. Bing. He's like, I'll tell you. And that's when Batman <laughs> catches the coin. Remember, he's like, you leave a man's life with yeah. a chance. Yes, you know. Right. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's so oh, good. Oh, boy. But no, I, I did recognize him. I was very happy to see him in more of a, a prominent role in this film. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, Steve. Oh, my goodness. You saw it on the big screen. I did. I saw it on the big screen, and I had just just high hopes going into the film. Those high hopes were met through and through as far as I'm concerned. I have no idea like what you thought of the film. What did you think of the film, Steve? Well, let me say this. The first Suicide Squad, I just figured I'd delete that memory and put something more valuable in that memory space. And Did you actually rest. watch it or not? I watched it over here. Oh, we watched it together? I watched it on that couch over there with you. Oh, man. Again. Again, I hope you don't take man. any offense to that, but that movie was terrible. It was so bad. The, the, only, the, thing, the only thing that was good was Margot Robbie and that entire disaster of a film. The only thing I do remember about that night is that I spent it over here <laughs> with you. <laughs> the rest of the movie, yeah, Will Smith's in it and Margot Robbie we were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over. And the, the rest of the film, I really... Do not remember that much about. Didn't you fall asleep during that movie? I was probably getting the nods. I think you fell asleep like halfway through and I kind of had to like jostle you. Like, hey, you still watching? Yeah. Not that he was missing out on much, but still I'm like, hey, you're over here watching a movie. <laughs> and I didn't even like waste my time with Birds of Prey. I oh, even, like- yeah, that was, yeah, that was disappointing as well. <laughs> yeah. So um, I went into this one with my can- my expectations Right down here. Uh, not the bottom of the bottom. I mean, James Gunn was directing this one, so I mean, but still, was... like you were in the right to be cautious. Yes. So I walked away actually feeling uh, pretty good about this one. It was not hilarious, and I I really don't know what to expect. I knew it wasn't going to take itself seriously. I mean, look at the, you know the, some of the costumes, peacemaker for peacemaker, Peace- mm-hmm. peacemaker, yeah, uh, pacemaker. Uh, <laughs> I got one of them. <laughs> yeah. 
I do heart attacks. Yeah. That's my ability. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kick the living. <laughs> you psych. Um, and you know, with the, what was it? King shark or the yeah, king shark. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's not, gonna, it's not taking itself that seriously. So I thought, okay, man, you know, note to self, it's not going to be all action. It's not going to be hilarious, but I'm still being, um, cautiously optimistic. Mm. Uh, so I'm glad it was rated R. Me I too. was very happy that it was rated R because I mean, some of those comic books are, are, are rated R. Let's just be real. Um, they are kind of gory. They are kind of violent. And so with the title of suicide squad and a bunch of villains or anti-heroes, whatever you want to call them, um, there's going to be some death and destruction. Indeed. Of the unmerciful kind. Well, and I'm really happy, too, about how we're seeing more of a trend towards the rated R rating for more and more of these comic films. So like, if we think about, I mean, I think even Blade may have been rated R rated back R, in the yeah. day, oh, which was, I mean, that came out back in the early 2000s. Yeah. And since that time, you know, Deadpool has come out. That has been very successful. That film, I don't think, would have nearly been as successful uh, if it had, like, a PG-13 rating. So then we go to the Suicide Squad once again. Like, they're just... Comic books, as you know, they are not... They're not the same as, like, the Archie comics or Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> comics. You know, they're a lot more... The far side. Yeah. <laughs> they're just a lot more bloody and, and violent, and then they deal with more... Uh, kind of more adult issues, if you will. Um, right. And, like, I mean, I think that, that Marvel... And to a certain extent um, has been successful in their MCU movies where they're, they're able to kind of achieve that PG 13 rating. But right. I, I am wondering like, are they going to be able to continue down that road moving into the next phase or are they going to start to entertain you? I mean, I know for a fact that Disney has already greenlit Deadpool three to be rated R. Yeah. Which is kind of a big deal when you think about how it's coming from Disney and they're making another blade. They are making another blade. Which was, I mean, if they're going to be like, oh, you can bring the kiddos to this one. I mean, you know, this is the blade for the family. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be, that one's got to be rated R also. He doesn't actually shred them with his teeth. He just kind of nibbles a little bit on their neck. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little, just a little tickle nibble. A little pinchers. You know, think of it almost like uh, Eskimo kisses oh. with his mouth. Oh, gosh. On your neck. And he sings a Disney tune while doing it. <laughs> One that gets stuck in your ear and just repeats <laughs> oh, over and over and over and over again. Anyways, uh, so it, it, you know, I it wasn't hilarious. It was it was funny, but it was a fun time. And uh, John Cena in it, is in it, of course. And I I don't think I've ever taken John Cena seriously in like anything, <laughs> even if he's trying to be serious. He's just not. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, so this one was, I mean, he, he fit that role perfectly. Oh yes, definitely. I agree. And I, I saw Sylvester Stallone on it. I'm like, who's Sylvester? What? Sylvester who? Uh -huh. What in the world? And then I never saw him and it just kind of went to the, to the wayside. Like, oh, I just saw that in the credits somewhere. And then it wasn't until, uh, this evening when my, I started watching it again with my wife and I go, I bet he's the voice of King Shark. Uh -huh. And and sure enough, the more I watched him, I'm like, that's Sylvester Stallone yeah. right there. Yeah. His voice sounds a little more cleaned up though. Like if you if you watch him like in interviews and he, he you know he's he's got a deep voice, but it's sure. aged a little bit, but it sounds real clean. Real rich. Yeah. Rich is yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I and especially like when you think of like you know, all the different tricks 
that Hollywood has in the, the audio studios and stuff, you know, I mean, they can make uh, a lot of people's voices sound a whole yeah. lot different or whatever, but I mean, he, he already is working with quite a bit. So no, I, I thought the film was so much fun. Um, it's, it's amazing to me because this, you know, when, when I think of like using the word fun, I was trying to think of like, like what's the, what's the one word that comes to mind? And apparently I'm not alone in this because I've seen several other people resort to the same word, which is like this, this movie is just a lot of fun. And not only that, but like you could tell like the casting crew we're having fun as well. Like as they were shooting this, like we've talked about this in the past with um, some other types of films, but there's the, these movies that come along where like, as you're sitting there watching it, you can tell they're having a good time. They're having a right. blast making a movie. And I really got that sensation when it came to the suicide squad. We're like every scene, you can tell that, that like they were having kind of a, a, a really fun creative brainstorm trying to figure out how can we make this scene cool? Okay. How can we make this next scene even cooler than the last scene? And how can we make it memorable and that sort of thing? And, you know, I think that it's, you know, you see so many films where like, yeah, they're good in their own way, but you can tell they're going through the motions. Like it's a job. It's right. not, there's it's, no chemistry. Well, I mean like maybe there is chemistry in some of those movies, but also not as much. Like, like, you know, like, like you can tell it's like, I only, I only do three takes and I'm done. And the director has to work with those three takes. And if they don't like them, then too bad. I don't, I didn't get that sensation from this film. I think that like they would do like a, like a, a, a take. And then all of a sudden when the take was over, they get back together and they watch it go. And then they probably do this whole like, Oh, 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 I got this great idea. Let's do it again. Oh, let's do it again. You know? And just had this, I don't know. There, there was a certain kind of energy to it that I, I really appreciated. I think that, were, that that probably happened when they were trying to rescue, uh, was it captain flag or something like that? The dude who got rescued, he was like one of oh, yeah. basically the one good guy sort of. <laughs> and they yeah. go through that whole village and like wipe out the, freedom fighters in a sense where they were supposed to be all on their side. <laughs> yes. Let, let's talk about that for a minute because that was hands down one of my favorite scenes. It's the most tragic scene probably. But oh, it's also well, and that's the thing was like, like you, there was like the, this formula that James Gunn was successful with. I feel like throughout the entire film where they, he, he constantly kind of like subverted the audience's expectations on things with thinking about like, you know, what do we classify as a villain right. versus like an anti-hero or maybe, maybe they still are villains, but then we empathize with them or maybe we root for them or whatever it is. And at the same time, like here's a scene where again, like, like we're under the impression that this is like the, the, I don't know, the, the evil camp, right? Like evil military camp. And so they're going through and what was so funny about that was like you have Bloodsport and Peacemaker get into this like one-upmanship <laughs> and every like method that where they're showing off their killing skills and stuff, it's like more and more creative and cool and just, just over the top. You know, you're just like, what on earth are they doing? And I felt like both actors did a great job of that. And even like toward the uh, toward the end of it. Remember when Peacemaker does this thing where he has the exploding bullet? Right. And then Bloodspore is just like, whatever. That's just... That's it's a flesh wound. It's not... Yeah, it's not lethal. Mortal. He's not like, mortal. well, it's different when it's dope as F. Yeah, no. He's like, well, he said it was a, com it was a uh, combustive round or yeah. something like that. 
So he's like, well, no one likes to show off. He's like, you can't even stupid. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you're right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's important for uh, actors like Idris Elba because he's gone on record before going like, you know, I'm not really into superhero stuff. I just like, okay, you know, it, he's literally like, okay, it was a job. Yeah. And so I think it's important for that chemistry to work. And hey, let's just make this fun for everybody. It's not just a builder paycheck. Um, because or else I don't think they would have got him to, to sign on, quite honestly. Well, and I think, too, like, I think that, it, it, I mean, we, obviously, we don't know, like, like what his interest level was with right. the whole thing. Yeah. I will venture out a guess, though, and say, like, like, let's say, for instance, he had that mindset going into it. By the time that movie was over, right. he had a good time. Yeah. Like, how could you not have a good time on a film like this? So on the fir- the the first suicide the, the the one that came out the one that was a while a couple years ago five years ago was it five years ago Gosh. five years ago yeah man it's been that long <laughs> time flies um so Will Smith was in it well he wasn't yes. Bloodsport he was Deadshot right correct so what's the difference between Bloodsport and Deadshot okay so they are both. Uh, villains in right. the, the the DC universe. I, I gathered that part. Okay. Well, some people got confused because they were like, wait, is this just like another, like a new name for uh, <laughs> is this Men Deadshot? Black? No. <laughs> well, and actually what's crazy is, is that um, they were actually like, well, I'll, I'll, I won't go into too much specifics just because okay. it, it is in our trivia portion of the show, but Essentially, there was a lot of talk going on back and forth with like when Ildris came in, they they were wondering, well, should he just play the role of Deadshot? And a decision was made. No, we're going to have him uh, be a different uh, villain. And I will stop there and we will okay. come back to it when we get to the IMDb Hi. movie trivia. But no, like I, I was really, really happy with um, the selection that they made on that. And again, like, like before we digress off into something else, going back to that camp scene, it was so funny and so messed up at the same time where they get to the, the captain or whatever, captain flag, or whatever his name is. And they think that like, you know, they're going out of their way because this is, this is a side mission. This is not right. even like the reason why they're there. And then they come to find out that like, these are actually all freedom fighters and it's a freedom fighter camp against the tyrannical government. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And they had that kind of like, oh, oh that's yeah, I, I didn't see anybody back yeah. there. I, I don't know what happened. And the polka dot dude's like, I saw them all as my mother and I killed them all. And I- <laughs> like, oh, gosh. <laughs> the thing is, too, like I had to explain a lot of this to my wife. Um, you know, she doesn't, she hadn't, you know, besides Batman, of course, she doesn't really know the DC world, uh, you know, less than I do. And so I'm going, <laughs> you know, kind of laughing. And I look over at her and she's just kind of going, you know, um, Looks at me like. Did she watch it or did she go to bed? So she watched it today. Ooh. Yes. Oh, so the so the second time you saw it, yeah, was, was when she w- was seeing it for the first time. Right. Gotcha. Yes, precisely. Gotcha. And so I had to I had to like pause HBO Max and I had to go. Okay, this, this is supposed to be kind of dark comedy. Just FYI, <laughs> like they're not having fun, like killing people they're not supposed to, and like we're not glorifying violence just for the sake of. I mean, we kind of are, but I mean, it's supposed to be funny. Well, right? well, you explained that they they were all bad guys, yes. right? They uh, yeah. were not like Captain America or whatever. Yeah, I went over everything, and uh, so after I said that, then she could saw the human in it, of course, but. Just like, watch, like, what am I watching? I don't know. Why are you subjecting me to this? That's awesome. 
That's super cool. Oh, man. Yeah, there were so many different scenes like that. And I mean, I just want to touch on, on the fact that this film could have failed so many different times in so many different ways based on the subject matter. Like this is, this is the kind of film where it takes, and I, I strongly believe this, it takes a certain kind of talent to be able to make it work. And I don't think that there are a lot of directors who are capable of pulling that. Oh, off. I don't either. Um, in fact, I mean, I would go so far as to say as, as honestly, I think that no one else but James Gunn was able to actually make this as successful as it was because I mean, when I think of like the, the choice of the characters, these are characters I've never heard of. And I granted, know. like I don't read like every single comic book that exists, but I mean, I've been reading comics as you know, since I was a teenager, like, I mean, way back in the day. So like, I'm like, okay, well I have a pretty good idea of kind of who the main listers are, so to speak. And for him to like intentionally go for these lesser known characters. And on top of that, even the storyline and, and what goes on in it, it is that that is such a creative challenge because it could have easily been laughed off right. in a bad way, right? Like, like it could have easily been a huge colossal failure where people are like, this is horrible. This is terrible. But what's so cool about it is that it reminded me of like a grindhouse film where like, I don't know if you've seen too many grindhouse style films, but like, no, I just like to grind Russ. Oh, uh, in the house. My. <laughs> But, you know, Grindhouse films were really popular, especially during, like, kind of the, the drive-in theater days. Right. And so you had these films that tended to be on the gross side, like, like overly violent. Like, not even, like, if you go to, like, see, like, a typical horror movie, it's like, oh, that was kind of scary. It jumped out and scared me, and it was kind of gross and horrific. This was more like just, it goes way beyond that to the point where it's just fun. Like, you see, like, so much over-the-top grossness and stuff. That's what part of what makes it grind. And, and like, like the lines are like intentionally like too over the top and cheesy right. and stuff, but people like that. And I feel like this film was in a direction of that, but I didn't feel as though it, it was like hands down, like a grindhouse film mm. at all. I just think it took the general direction that way to a certain extent when it came to some of the, the subject material that, that they went with. But having said that, though, I mean, I was absolutely impressed with the execution of the. I mean, I was just like, I cannot believe I'm having. And, and my wife loved the movie too. Like we, we were just like, this is so much fun. Like we don't remember the last time we had this much fun at a theater. And it's it, <laughs> the whole premise is like something that like we didn't think we would like have as much of a blast for not to mention the fact that it's a complete 180 from the older suicide squad movie. Did you know that, uh, Marco Robbie is, um, did you say Marco Robbie? That my, my G may have sounded like a C, but I <laughs> intentionally tried to say Margo. There you go. Um, <laughs> Marco Polo. Yeah. Marco Polo. Uh, <laughs> stunt I, double. I think she, yeah. Marco, meet Marco. Uh, you heard she's taking a break from doing this whole thing, so we might not be able to have another one of these for quite some time. I did hear about that, but honestly, man, I think that's okay because she was Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey, right. and then she went directly from that into this film. Yeah, and James Gunn is busy working on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Right. 
you know, even after I've even mentioned that, let's talk about that for a minute. So like when we think of the journey that James Gunn has taken, this is really interesting to me because here is a guy who had tremendous success with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2, right? Like, arguably, there are people out there who are Marvel fans who will list one of those two movies as, like, their favorite Marvel movie, even ranking it higher than, say, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War. Like, doesn't matter. Like, like those are some of the most treasured films. And for me, I mean, like, I... I would say it's definitely up in like probably my, my within my top five Marvel movies ever. Um, and it's just due to the wonderful character development, the sense of humor. And again, like this, it's not like the sense of humor was so like profuse that like, it was like, Oh, are we watching a comedy? Or are we watching an action movie? Like it, it was balanced appropriately. And for him to be able to go from that to then suddenly getting fired from Disney if you recall, because he had those tweets from like 10 or 15 years ago or something like that. I thought he got, I thought that was kind of water underneath the bridge though. I thought it was a thing for a bit. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, I'm saying back, back then that's what happened. And so then James found himself in this, this situation of like, okay, well, what do I do now? And so that's when he went over to DC and agreed to direct the suicide squad movie, which again, that's a really big risk considering the fact that the first suicide, I can't say that suicide squad movie was not successful at all. Trash. Um, and so once again, like there, there's this big creative challenge on his part to figure out, okay, how can I, how do I approach this? Right? Like, like what is, what is James's vision of the suicide squad look like? Yeah. So, as he's working on that film, then he's able to make some sort of deal with Disney. Again, Disney comes back to the table, (laughs) realizes, Oh yeah, we kind of need him to keep directing guardians of the galaxy because, Oh, no one else can do as good of a job as James. Hmm. Interesting. We overreacted. We just want to say we're sorry. Will you come back? Oh, I, you, Dude, you know, you know, he got some kind of sweetheart deal out of that. I'm actually wondering if one of the stipulations that Disney put into the contract for him was to try and get him to be an exclusive director for all Marvel movies going forward. Like no more DC movies that remains to be seen. I have no idea what the, uh, the, the agreements were, but I can say that I think he was in a fantastic position to even remain like as like almost like an open agent, if you will, like being able to to direct on both sides and considering like just the early numbers and and, and the reactions from fans who have seen the Suicide Squad just within the past two days, because because as of this recording, I saw it last night, which is preview night. And so today's Friday, which is like the official opening day. It's going to be interesting to see what the final numbers are, but he's, I have a feeling he's going to be sitting so pretty in terms of, being this this successful director for both comic book worlds, right. what a fantastic place to be. Yeah, it wasn't a one-off with Guardians of the Galaxy or Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And so he's going like, okay, I can do the comic book thing for Disney and I can do it for DC and I can do it for other stuff too. I mean, I'm, I'm not a one, one-trick pony here. And so, <laughs> I mean, and the fan base recognizes the name too. Yeah, And so- us as fans, when you know a Garden the next Guardian of the Galaxy comes out, if it said directed by you know 
Joe Schmo, we're going to be like, oh, well, I mean, we're glad, to, we're glad to see this story continue, but, you know, we missed that. We missed seeing James Gunn <laughs> on the, in the credits, you know? I mean, that, that's a great, it's a, he's, he's, He's a celebrity. He's a celebrity. And also too, his, he, well, whether he's intending for it or not, right. like his name is becoming synonymous with these types of movies that have these outcasts or misfit type characters sure. or characters that we haven't heard of before, or basically characters that normally probably wouldn't be able to carry a movie as successfully as the ones that he directs. Because even when I think of when I first saw guardians of the galaxy, I had never seen this comic book before. I never heard of it. And as far as I knew, I was like, well, it looks like Disney is starting to take some chances now. They've had some, some success with the movies up to this point and they want to branch out, but I don't know. I've never heard of this. So I hope it's okay. And I walk out of the theater. I'm like, this is brilliant. This is, this is awesome. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and see this a few more times in the theater. Like this is great. <laughs> and again, I mean, he, he's been able to, to repeat that. Going to more of the intro of the Suicide Squad. Right. I absolutely loved how it started out where you see Michael Rooker in that like, like solitary confinement, but getting his like hour out in the sun kind of thing. And he has <laughs> that, that little racquetball with right. him. First of all, I think he looked really cool with that long blonde white hair, like, platinum yeah. blonde hair. Very, very different from what we're used to. And I thought he was going to have a more of a more of a big role. Me too. I'm like, you offed him in the beginning. Like this, <laughs> You set this character up to be awesome. I mean, you know, he's had a lot of time. He's got X's all over like his cell where he's like, you know, ricocheting that ball and stuff. And he looks real serious, real kind of deadly. Yeah. Like, okay, this guy was on, you know, y uh, Yanu, I think. Yan Yanu, Yandu in the Garden Gardens of the Galaxy. Uh, yes. Same, same actor. But do you remember his name from this film? He even had a cool name in uh, this film. Uh, no, I do not. Savant. That's right. Such a cool name. And so like, he's, and he's calling people like, uh, amateurs. Yeah. Sort of thing. And then he like gets PTSD or something and, and can't handle explosions and the, the violence and he just runs away. And well, I, th I think he realized at that moment, and again, we're kind of jumping all over the place with this, but like, so we, we, he gets introduced at the same time that we get introduced to this seemingly new suicide squad. Right. And like, you see these different, uh, people like, like there's that one guy, um, he's German. I've seen him in, like on Conan O'Brien and he does a lot of like YouTube posts and stuff. And I think he's hilarious. What's it? Do you remember what, uh, his name is? Which, which character is he? He's not the guy with javelin. the javelin. He's the javelin character? He was a javelin yeah, okay. character, yeah. Um, oh, I, I don't remember what his name is off the top of my head. I apologize. I think he's in Saturday Night Live also. He might, well, he might make special guest appearances or something, but yeah. But anyway, saw him, I was like, oh my goodness, yes. The, he's in this? Well, this is, this is going to be fun. And then you do see Pete, uh, Pete Davidson, I think his, his name is, from uh, Saturday Night Live. He's playing, what is that, like... I want to say black something or boomer. It wasn't boomer. It was uh blackguard blackguard. Yeah. 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 Pete Davidson was playing blackguard. Um, and you start seeing like, like the weasel guy coming out and you're like, what on earth is I this? Know. And so you, you have like this, like seemingly like brand new suicide squad characters. And then, you know, Nathan Fillion uh, was like TDK or something. That was <laughs> odd. I'm like, what? 
in the world. And so like literally the only return, well, there was two. So yeah, Captain Boomerang who returned from the first film. And honestly, I liked, now that I'm thinking about it, I liked Captain Boomerang in the first Suicide Squad movie as well because he actually embodied being that like just an evil character. Like, like he was sure. a villain. He was, you know, he was just kind I'm of a- Captain Boomerang. <laughs> Careful, Al. I'll throw my boomerang at you. But it's going to hurt. I thought, I thought the actor was able to sell it really well. And, um, and then the only other actor, of course, is Margot Robbie, who we see returning. And it was awesome to see her come in. And she starts off with that great first line, like, Oh, sorry, I'm late. I had to go. Number two. (laughs) Thank you for telling us. Um, but, but then something amazing happens that was completely unpredictable. And that is that we, so, so we see them make their way to the shore and so at this point, and it's crazy because we have started to buy in. We're now investing right. as the audience into these new characters. Well, then all of a sudden, they start getting killed left and right. Yeah, slaughter. Well, and, and it's crazy because you have people even like like Michael Rooker, for example, who gets killed. And and suddenly it, we it's revealed that there is yet another Suicide Squad group who's coming in to the same island, a different place, and they didn't even know the other Suicide Squad group existed. I think that was such a cool idea because it prevents the the idea of a Suicide Squad team from having certain members associated with it. It's very interesting because when you think of like the Avengers, for instance, we have been conditioned to think of Captain America, Iron Man, War Machine, Black Widow, Hulk, Hulk, so on and so forth, right? And we understand that like as time goes on that there will be other types of of characters that join the Avengers and that sort of thing. But it is interesting because it becomes more about the identity of being on that team. Suicide Squad is... In that moment, it told us how, like, not only can there be anybody a part of the Suicide Squad, but there can be multiple Suicide Squads that exist simultaneously. Like, the main woman in charge probably has multiple versions of these groups all over the world at any given point in time doing her bidding, which I thought was super cool because, again, I was under the the impression it's like, oh, the Suicide Squad consists of only these characters. Right. And so, you know, we're going to have, you know, if the film does well, we're going to have all these sequels and we're going to see the, the same cast, same characters. No, like it's... It's very much all about like putting together a Motley Crue squad that can consist of any misfits or villains and they become a suicide squad unto themselves. Did you think that was pretty cool? I thought that was, yeah, I thought it was, I I mean, quite honestly, I don't know what they were doing. I thought, okay, everyone's pretty much (laughs) dead. I remember seeing other people in the preview. Maybe the preview was like not done yet when (laughs) I saw what's going to happen. And then that, and then they brought in the other team and I thought, okay, I see what you're doing here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I picked up a little, a little bit on that too, where, uh, I thought, okay, you know, maybe there's multiple, you know, teams going to different parts at the same time. These guys are doing, you know, this kind of the job. So it makes you know. them expendable. I think, yes. I think that's one of the things about it is like, when well, I think, yeah, they're very expendable. They're blowing up if they don't uh, get the job done or they, they decide they don't like something. Well, I think what's interesting is that, so the first film, like, like that was the big focus, right? Was like, you have this bomb that's inserted, uh, you know, in the back of your cranium, like, 
you know, if you don't do what we, what we tell you to do, then, then we're blowing you up. The thing is though, the first suicide squad movie, there was only one person that that had happened to everybody else in the suicide squad survived to the end. And that is one of the things that I love about this film is that this film, they intentionally killed off several people. I mean, like if you think of the roster of characters that they introduced to us from the moment the film begins versus how many are left by the time the film ends, you're only talking about maybe what, like four. I mean, you essentially had, you had Harley Quinn, you had Bloodsport, King Shark, and um, the, rat the rat catcher. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. That is it. And if you think about how many characters that, that consisted of both those suicide uh, squad groups were, you're easily talking 10 characters, maybe 13 characters. I mean, like you had a number of them that existed that didn't exist anymore. And I really appreciate that because it kept me as a viewer on my toes because it was like, Who's going next? It, it, I think that was one of the big things about the first film was like, it was like the, the threat of having that bomb inserted into each one of them lost its impact. Pardon the pun, but like it, it, it began to lose its dread or sense of threat because it wasn't getting used. And even in this one, granted like, like the usage of um, those were also to a minimum, but James made the good call to be able to like go, okay, we're not going to rely on that too much. Cause that's what that's like so much in the audience's face. We're going to have all these other horrific deaths occur. And you're just like, what is happening? <laughs> what did you think of that? That entire concept though, of like how, I mean, it was, it was really, it reminded me of game of Thrones in a way because you had these these certain ins like polka dot man. I didn't I mean, want polka dot man to die at the end. I was like, I, I liked polka dot man. I kind of like yeah, polka dot man. He, I mean, every time they saw his mom, we're like, oh gosh, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, I'll be crazy too. But um, I mean, when I saw polka dot man in the preview, I thought they got to be desperate. Like, what yeah. what kind of character are they bringing in here? And then. The more they that he had him on screen, and he wasn't trying to be somebody spectacular. He was just like, I have this illness that I have to expel, so it's I'm either expel it myself or at somebody, and it's not going to be fun. And um, isn't it weird how like like you bought into it though? Like, yeah. Like if you if you just were just to verbally describe this character to someone who hasn't seen the movie, like again, they would roll their eyes, they would laugh at you, they right. wouldn't take you seriously. But like that is the worst idea I've ever heard. And yet by the end of it, I'm the same way. We're like, I didn't want to see the guy die. And when he did, I was even shocked because I figured, oh, you know, like, like they're going to win the day. He's one of the survivors. No, he gets completely stomped on by like a 50 foot or hundred foot high starfish from outer space. It's a freaking kaiju, man. <laughs> by, the way, by the way, speaking of the starfish, so is there something special about this javelin that I can cut something that the bullets couldn't penetrate? You know, okay, so Leslie mm. and I were, were talking about this too because she she brought up the same thing. She's huh. like, she's like, how is how was she able to get into the eye? And I was thinking, well, I mean, javelins by nature, I mean, they are sharp, right? I mean, like, like it's a it's a pointy stick. So, and if you think of an eyeball, an eyeball is not particularly tough. Mine are. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> But 
in terms of, of who she is, I mean, you figure she's probably about 110, 115 pounds and she makes the jump with a javelin and she goes right into the eye. And uh, she's, you know, if I were to roughly guesstimate based on the size of the eye versus the size of uh, her, she was probably about the size of a fly. Um, but uh, if you can imagine a fly carrying a, a little pocket knife and going toward your eyeball, that would hurt. <laughs> yeah, it would. Anyway. But no, like, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. And we'll, and, well, unless you want to talk about it now, it's up to you. It's whatever you want. Let's talk yeah. about it now. Let's just talk. We're already there. Let's talk about it now, shall we? So one of the things that I really loved about that whole sequence with Margot Robbie going into the eyeball is the fact that like I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? The solution that exists in an eyeball is incredibly clean. Like if you think about it, like that's true, Russ, like it, it, the whole, like all the liquid and stuff all in there the is solution. It's pretty much like the cleanest kind of solution that your body has. And it's gotta be cause eyeballs connected right to the brain. Good. But I absolutely, again, was not expecting that at all. Because I was thinking about it. I was thinking, okay, what is the significance of this javelin that she is carrying with right. her going to have? Is it just going to be a memento from Javelin who died and whatever? But but clearly, like in film, nothing is by happenstance. There's going to be a purpose for it. This purpose happened to be fantastic. Loved how it was used to plunge into the eyeball. And the visual spectacle of Margot Robbie floating around inside this like eyeball membrane. I knew you were going to bring that one up. <laughs> with the rats swimming in through the hole around her and her I mean and again she she is so Harley Quinn. She definitely owns the 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 crazy persona that is Harley. I mean I, I feel like we we sh we are so grateful to have her be Harley Quinn and I hope that she can be Harley for many 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 many, many years because it's, it's just, it's such a perfect casting choice. But, I mean, it was so cool to like look at, you know, as the rats began to gnaw on like the blood vessels of the eye, which are like huge and stuff. And you start to see the blood start to like also go into the the water, if you will, of the eye and how it's surrounding Margot. But yet she wasn't freak like a normal person would be like, oh, how do I get, get me out, out of here? here. Yeah. But she was just happy as a clam, just like, oh, this is you know, Jeez. just that maniacal insanity. And even when, when it cuts away and you see Starro stumbling around, I love the visual effects detail of seeing the blood sloshing along with the, the water in the eye and something clearly was not working right. And, and even when Starro fell over and you see Margot jump up out of the eye, the, the, those are practical effects. Like the, the practical effects of that eye membrane that she was able to like leap up onto and she's just slimy and everything. She's like, I'm good, I'm good. You know, uh, I just loved it. I, like, I was like, this is super cool. And I had found out that there was actually a number of um, practical effects used throughout this film that James Gunn was really happy about because in Guardians of the Galaxy, it was pretty much all CGI. I can imagine that. Yeah. Sounds about right, Rose. Um, I liked at the end where Starro was <laughs> kind of communicating with all the bots in a sense with you know, the, the, the people that had <laughs> a piece of him on his face. 
uh, you know? <laughs> oh, the stream of consciousness. The stream, is, the stream of conscious. That's right. And so uh, towards the end when he's dying, um, he speaks through that general. Yeah. Um, but it's not something monumental or no. epic. He was like, I was happy here. You know, something, I don't know. Looking up at the stars. I'm looking up at the stars. <laughs> yeah. I thought that I, I thought the concept was cool and I liked how it, 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 he wasn't just the, you know, it's only, he's a King Kong kind of starfish of sorts, no rampage style. And, and, and I'm glad <laughs> totally that this rampage. didn't, you know, take it way so serious, you know, and I, I, I just liked it. I, I liked how he died. Um, <laughs> Well, again, it's it's this really festive. Dare I say festive? But it was like it was like this this thrilling romp through right. of, of. I mean, again, it's a giant starfish. Right. Like that's the thing that again is yet another example of how here's a film where you have this huge Godzilla style. I mean, that's why they even made the reference of of the kaiju. You have this huge starfish wreaking havoc on this South American island. And I bought into it. Right. I mean, it was just like, what? And I, and then what furthermore, like, like I could tell even like as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm buying into this. I, I, I'm totally fine buying. I, just, I, I don't feel guilty for doing so. Like it's the funniest thing. And it just made it that much more fun. And I was also really pleased with the various action shots. Like there was that one shot in particular where you have blood sport who like, he puts together that like that really cool, cool nanotech gun awesome. thing. That was yeah. super cool. And I, by the way, his helmet and actually his whole Hell suit. Awesome. Yeah. Whole outfit gets an a plus for me. For I sure. really like that a lot. And in addition to that, you'll remember how like he, he goes through all of his shots. So then he starts barking orders at the other members of his team. And he tells, um, uh, Harley Quinn to like get up on onto a, a higher ele- elevation right. or get up on top of the, the building. And you, you see her as the camera's panning around, like jumping up onto the building and it looks real. It doesn't look like she's on wires or anything right. like that. Or styrofoam or styrofoam or anything like styrofoam, that. Yeah. But it was like this continuous shot where like you see that happen. And then like, you see him talking to King shark and saying, you know, no, 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 Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, that's no, no. He's like, yo, you know, okay. I mean, literally it was, dare I say the DC equivalent of when captain America tells Hulk smash right in the Avengers. And I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not shameful to say it. I think it was well-deserved right here but you see that happen and then all of a sudden you see like the polka dot man thing too he's like that's your mother mother. (laughs) (laughs) so good and even that like like you know because we we had that that's the coolest thing too that gag was repeated right several times throughout the movie and it never got old. It was the fun. It kept getting funnier. Like yeah, seeing yeah. it happening time and time again. They knew the secret sauce because they did it all the time. It would have lost its charm, but they did it just enough where it, it, it never did lose its charm and it just gained more humor as we yeah. went on. I mean, they only, I think they referenced it like maybe three times. Sure. I think, but the times that they did reference it, like of course toward this example. And then the other one where, they're all looking at him when they just discovered for the first time and they're all in costume and now they have like this, you know, big kind of, you know, Karen looking face that's kind of <laughs> evil. You know, you're like, oh, I've been going crazy also. Uh, and I forgot the third time they mentioned it, but anyway, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
No, it, it was it was so fun. Again, I go back to that word. It was so fun. It was a. It was like, it's gonna be like one of those movies that like I can put on in the background time and time again and never get tired of it. Like there are so many movies out there that exist where like I'll see once or twice and I will never see it again. Or maybe there'll be other films where like, yeah, I'll pull it out like every five to 10 years and watch it again and I'll be good. But there is that, that certain pile of movies that you never get tired of. Sometimes you'll watch it with popcorn and have your full attention on, but other times you'll be like just working or doing something and you will want it on in the background just because this movie is definitely one of those types of films. I feel like, I think it's a lot of fun. I here, here's where I stumble a little bit with it is that, you know, I, the jokes are funny, but I don't feel like they're witty enough that I would have as good of a time, you know, watching the movie multiple times. Um, I watched it last night Mm -hmm. and then I started watching it again today and I had the volume up higher, which was better and made a better experience. But the jokes then were not as funny because I already saw them again, like last night. Um, Maybe that would have been different had, you know, I see we've seen it together. Sure. Because, you know, the the laughter is is contagious. contagious. Yeah. Um, But my fear is that I want to see it again, but I definitely want to wait a while before seeing the film in its entirety. I fear that if I, yes, you are right. I, it's a movie to have in the background, but I wouldn't want to have it in the background because I would remember the jokes and then I would predict them the next time I really wanted to have a full experience with it. And I wouldn't laugh as much. Yeah. I th- I, and I think it, it's not a film that you would want to see on a daily basis or in rapid succession or anything like that. But in terms of like more of like, having it be in, as part of your regular rotation of those types of movies. I mean, for me, like, like I think again, it's not one of those movies that demands your attention. It's just a fun roller coaster ride. Right. Yeah. Another scene that was super fun. And again, unpredictable was when Harley Quinn goes and meets with the, the new leader or oh, dictator. Like Presidente. El Presidente. El Presidente. Yes. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was super fun. In fact, my wife noticed how in this movie, Harley actually had multiple hairstyles and she was really pleased to see that. She loved how there was kind of this journey that her hair went on before it got back to being in the pigtails again and how there were certain types of visuals that were made like, you know, when she, when she shoots the, the president, how like, he gets shot and and it cuts over back to her and her hair goes down and her, because her head's hair is red. It like kind of makes that, that connection to the blood of getting shot kind of thing. Like like little, little clever editing techniques and that sort of thing. But, um, that whole sequence of, first of all, that montage of them together was gorgeous. Like if, if you looked at, I don't know if you noticed the colors and the cinematography throughout the entire movie, honestly, but, but this was definitely one of the highlights for me was like the, the various shots where like they're playing with the birds or they're at the dinner table or whatever. Like the lighting was like on point. The colors totally were popping. Like it, it, the framing was fantastic. did you, do you agree? I picked up on that. Yeah. I, I noticed the, the cinematography and then the, the framing and whatnot. Um, and it, it was good. I mean, it was constantly kind of on the move. So like, and not necessarily like drone style, no. but I mean, like if you were walking by it and were, were yeah. watching them and there was, there was more to it than um, than just that scene, though, too. Like, there was times in that little government building where 
they're directing orders or whatnot, or they're thinking about the next move or what, what have you. And the camera is spinning a bit, but it's not dizzy style or it's not matrix style. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just enough. So where like, if you were walking in the room, like, man, that person's really frustrated or flustered or I'm not, you know, I'm going to keep my head down. Just, you know, keep my, if you were an employee, you have sorts, you know, that, that that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. And I love too, how once again, he like James never forgot about how these are our villains, how these are, characters that are not heroes. They're right. very much anti-heroes. They're, the they're being forced to do this type of, of work. Dirty work. Dirty work. And, you know, it was exemplified in this instance where, you know, the, the El Presidente was able to, like, he, in his mind, he figured he was able to woo Harley to his side and marry her and be able to try and, and, and increase his power and that sort of thing. And... I was also buying into that. We're like, oh, okay. So the story's going to be that, you know, Harley has convinced herself that, that this is her new man and everything else. And, and that that's going to cause a new challenge for the, the re remaining members of the suicide squad to complete their mission. And so I was already like formulating like, oh, maybe this is what's going to happen now and stuff. And as I'm going through that, she shoots him. Like as soon as you turn around, just bam. And like, I even like kind of like jumped a bit because I was totally not expecting that moment. And to hear her little ramble after that too, I'm like, you are nuts. Yeah. You are seriously <laughs> insane. And I love it. <laughs> I think that my favorite part of that sequence, when she, when she's saying, I think I prefer you here on the floor oh. with all those those nasty thoughts just just pouring out of your head you oh. know, the, 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 the blood started to pool I was like my gosh I kind of like it and I kind of don't at the same time <laughs> that means there's something wrong with me too oh <laughs> such it, it was such good script writing like if you think about all the different lines in that movie too like it is to be committed for sure and Going even like like jumping from that scene to more of like the the moment where Flag and um, uh, Peacemaker are fighting each other, you know, where like Peacemaker like fancies himself as this do-gooder and he's totally <laughs> just woo. He, he's he makes a lot of justifications of things that are just wrong and evil and everything, and and to see him kill uh, Captain Flag, I was like, oh, I, like again, like I was thinking that there's no way it's going to happen because he's one of the mainstays because he was in like the first suicide squad and everything else. He gets taken out. And not only that, but like the, the sheer hypocrisy of what peacemakers name supposedly stands for, how like the last line he says is like peacemaker. What a joke. Yeah, What a joke. Yeah. And in the way he even died too, is just so brutal having that oh, piece of shard like, of tile tile. Or yeah. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, you have moments like that where it, it, it reinforces a lot of, of the fact that it's like, yeah, these characters, they're not do-gooders. Like sometimes like, like they're doing things and you start to kind of forget and all of a sudden you get reminded. Like, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like the rats, Russ. Talk about it, Steve. Tell me why you like the rats. Um, I thought the rats were like a different kind of sort of comedy of sorts. I could see how James Gunn maybe have adopted what the humor was with Groot, for example, with the rats, uh, be non kind of sort of nonverbal and of sorts. And you know, they're, they're, they're waving like, you know, they're 
just so innocent and you think the rats are so dirty yeah. and plague ridden, you, you know, dirty rat. And they're all, they're given like peace offerings. Yeah. Know, like waving or trying to you know, shake someone's hand or whatnot. I just thought that was, it wasn't hilarious, but I thought it was, it was pretty funny and original. Um, and I didn't really get the, the whole how she could control him with the wand. I, I figured it'd be more telepathic, but maybe I guess it kind of worked hand in hand. But yeah, I'm not sure how that works either. But again, I mean, that provides opportunities for maybe some possible standalone films. As far as I'm concerned, that actor who played Ratcatcher, I thought she did a phenomenal job too. Again, these characters are hard to sell to the audience. Like the, right. it's one thing if you're Batman or Superman or Captain America or Wolverine or whatever, like yeah, Sp- <laughs> Spider-Man's hard though. You can't, you can't do Spider-Man. <laughs> We're going to have you play a character called rat catcher. Oh, control the rats. Man, it's my dream right there. I wanted to play the rat catcher <laughs> too. However, the, the, the actor that, like I said, um, she really pulled it off. She did a great job. So another scene that's worth mentioning also is the whole Milton scene. That was so funny because in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm seeing this guy and he's, you know, he's doing his thing, but I don't think too much of him, but he's kind of always there. He's like in the getaway car. He's like unloading stuff. Yeah. He's, right. he's, he's, he's giving supplies or he, he's walking with them and stuff. And then he gets off. And I love how it wasn't just one of those hapless extras where he's never thought of again. They turned it into a thing. Like it was the funniest thing. How like polka dot man was like really, shocked and, and like mournful of, of his death. And he's like, they killed Milton. And everyone's like, who's Milton? He's like, how do you not know who Milton is? He's been with us the entire time. And like just the, the exchange going back and forth between him and uh, Margot Robbie and, and, and Idris. It was just the funniest thing, like having that dynamic. And then even, you know, once again, they repeat the joke again. It's, it's like this, the, these, these things just worked. We're like, even at the end, like, um, Margo called Idris Milton. He's like, that's not my name. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it is. We've been talking about it for the last three hours. <laughs> you know, I, again, it's so cool that they were, and, and at least in my opinion, they were able to tell and retell the same gag or joke over and over again. It was just as funny. And again, that wasn't the only part of the secret sauce. Like there were like all kinds of decisions made in this that, Quite honestly, I mean, I, I was I was duly impressed. But let's switch over to trivia, courtesy of IMDb. Great. Okay. I'm going to start reading some of these off to you here, Steve. Okay. First of all. Yes. James Gunn specifically filled the Suicide Squad with obscure and unknown villains since he felt that was more faithful to the squad in the comics. Good man. Quote, I wanted to stick with John Ostrander's original vision of mostly second-rate antagonists. There is an innate tragic element to supervillains who aren't even that good at being bad. Very (laughs) insightful. As for how James Gunn got Sylvester Stallone to voice the role, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing. Gunn said to him, quote, I wrote this role for you in the Suicide Squad. It won't take too much of your time. And Sylvester Stallone replied, oh, yeah? To which Gunn said, yeah, it's... Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's a big, kind of chubby, human-eating shark. To which Stallone said, well, anything for you, brother. Uh, Anything for you, brother. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, I didn't know we were bros, but glad we it, are now. Yeah, well, I'm so touched. <laughs> Fist bump. Idris <laughs> Elba was initially hired to replace Will Smith as Floyd Lawton Deadshot. But it was later decided that Elba would play a new character, which we now know is Bloodsport, to allow Smith to return in the future. Future. So his character is not gone. He's going to be making a return back, which honestly, I I think is honestly is a mistake. And I'm saying that as a Will Smith fan. I just, I, Will Smith is I'll, a hero. He's a protagonist. Seeing him as a villain... I'm sorry, man. I just don't. <laughs> yeah. I, plus, I think in the original Suicide Squad, from what I can put together, he didn't really sell me on the character either. I mean, he was like the badass marksman shooter guy. Yeah. But I mean, he's kind of always that in a lot of his films. You know, he, he's shooting. He's really on on target. Oh. Uh, and so to see him do that once again, I thought, okay, yeah, I get it. But I think Idris did a better job of selling the, the role. Yeah, no, he, he definitely did a better job uh, with the role that he had. And also to just, uh, it just worked. Like, it, it, right. again, Will Smith, like, again, when I say that, it's because I'm thinking of Will Smith from Men in Black. Mm -hmm. Will Smith in the Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. I mean... <laughs> Will Smith as Muhammad Ali. Yeah. You know, um, like, like he, he's in, I mean, there's tons of other films where like he plays the protagonist. He, and he's great at it. Like that, that is his forte. When he goes into more of a villain role, it's like, man, I just, I can't get there. Like I, I, I was willing to have an open mind when I saw him in the first Suicide Squad movie. I'm like, no, I, I'm sorry. You, you just, you're, you're the good guy. So anyway, that's just, one man's opinion. No, I don't think uh, Margot Robbie played well with Will Smith either. They, they, they didn't seem to have like the camaraderie or the, or the chemistry that, that uh, Idris and Margot had in this one. Did you, I mean, did, yeah, no? I mean, I thought the chemistry was, was, was fine for what it was in the first film. I just don't think the first film was good. That's the problem. Fine. <laughs> Speaking of Margot Robbie, she said that she would be playing Harley Quinn for as long as possible. Yes as she loved playing her in the DC Extended Universe. And finally, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios co-president Louis Desposito visited the set of the Suicide Squad during filming. James up, Gunn... What? What's up, guys? Hey. <laughs> James Gunn doing? took several precautions to try avoiding uh, details about the, uh, the film leakings, such as referring to Elba's character in the script and on set as vigilante to prevent his actual role from being revealed and also not to give some of the actors script pages uh, from after their character's deaths. That blows my mind because here you have a DC film and the president of the Marvel Cinematic Universe struts onto set. Like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I, I mean, I understand, like, you know, that there's a pre-existing relationship between Kevin Feige and James Gunn, but whoa, like, I'm shocked that Warner Brothers was like, man, sure, come on, come on on the set. Yeah, we're on time. No, no, no problem. You know, it's just like, color me surprised. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, 
Not secure a competitor right there. It's a competitor indeed. But you know what? At the end of the day, they're all friends. They're all creatives. They, um, they're all just interested money. in seeing what the other is up to. You know, I get it. I get it. Steve, please tell us your conclusion and uh, rating. So uh, I would say that this was a pleasant go round with the DC um, universe. I, I'm not, I haven't been a fan of, of DC really for quite some time. It's been a kind of a constant disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. And um, are you so sure? Disappointment? Many of them in my mind have been a disappointment. Like the Zack Snyder Justice League? Yeah. Well, mm. kind of, sort of, yeah. Man I mean, of Steel? Well, that was a while ago. I mean, Batman and Man of Steel were a while ago, and then we've had like a bad Wonder Woman. We um, had a good one. One, one, one. We two. had a good one, mm-hmm. and then we had a bad one. We had Batfleck, and then we had Justice League, and then I, I don't know. So it's been a, a roller coaster at best. Mixed, I, it, it, mixed bag, perhaps. Mixed bag, mostly the presents you don't want at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> underwear again. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, I thought the script was, was fantastic. I thought that the casting was great. I thought it was brilliant to have James Gunn behind the wheel. Um, one thing I didn't say earlier was, uh, King shark. I thought was going to be a wasted character. I think I said, I think I said those words, even when we saw the preview, when we did that, uh, podcast that day. And I'm, and he was actually a great character, and I liked him uh, quite a bit. I I'm I like the use that they they had with him. Um, so, uh, like I said, the one thing that's really hindering it from getting a higher rating for me is that um, even though the jokes were funny and original and uh, not, I mean the whole sh- the whole story was not predictable to me whatsoever. I was surprised to the whole thing. It's the type of movie where I don't feel that I should um, or would watch it very often because I it would be it would become predictable. It would become less funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, yes, it gives me new life for for what uh, DC is going to come with next, especially with the Suicide Squad um, with the right director. Um, my rating, I would say, is a three point five. A three point five. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Well, as I have been sounding like a broken record during this entire show, and I'm not afraid to say it, I think that this film had a lot to. Oh, man, had a lot to. Mm. Mm. They put it this way. Okay. This film could have failed so many different ways and could have been a disaster. It could, it could have been a catastrophe. And I am so happy and thrilled. And just that it's, it's the complete opposite. It, right. it is a fantastic film, super fun film. It's a roller coaster of a ride. I cannot believe, I mean, it's amazing to me when I think of, the 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 first Suicide Squad movie versus this one, and how when I saw the first Suicide Squad movie, like it was one of those um, experiences where I was just like, I just wrote it off. I was like, this is I even before I saw the movie, I thought this was questionable at best. I didn't think it was going to be anything really good about it. And, oh look, I'm right. You know, it's awful. Whatever, I wrote it off. 
Then this comes along and now I am this really big fan of the Suicide Squad. Um, I definitely think that it is one of those instances where it's lightning in a bottle. I think it's insane because James Gunn was able to do that with Guardians of the Galaxy. And I thought, okay, that was a that was a thing. That was a thing for Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think it's possible to to recapture that same lightning in a bottle again. And he did. He did it with this. And that is no small thing at all. No small feat. No small feat indeed. I would say probably like if I had to critique something about the film, probably the one thing I would critique is the fact that I didn't think the thinker, you know, the character, the thinker. Yes. I don't think he got enough character development. He, I don't even think so either. I think visually he looked interesting. He looked cool. I like the actor, but I just, it was kind of surprising to me how we really didn't get to know him more. And they, they had a build up with him. Like I, he's the only one who could control. Right. Uh, Starro. 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 Mm-hmm. And then he just can't control him at all. I thought, man, well, that was a build up for nothing. They just killed him and that was that. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that. So that was like, that was one of the things that like was very few and far between where I was like, yeah, I wish there was a bit more to that. Otherwise, when I think of, again, the sheer amount of characters that were in the film and how like half of them only had like maybe five, 10 minutes of screen time. Even in that five to 10 minutes, I found myself bonding with these characters. I was having a lot of fun with them. I was actually, you know, horrified and sad to see them go. I mean, even when you see the weasel like drown, you're like, Oh my gosh. And like, you know, just, just a a minute ago, I was totally creeped out and grossed out by him sitting in the plane and then to watch him drown. I felt bad. And and it's, it's that constant back and forth where James was able to, Make you care about all the well, like like if you think about like a spectrum of like all these different emotions that you could have as an audience member toward any given character. Like on average, you'll like you'll have directors that will hit like certain ones on that spectrum, but then other ones will either be missed or will fail to to hit the mark, kind of thing. And you saw like such a broad range of of all kinds of of different types of emotions, and you saw it with multiple characters. It wasn't like it was just with like Margot Robbie because she's Margot Robbie. Oh, we have to flesh this character out because she's the superstar. No, it's like they they did it with Polka Dot Man. They did it with King Shark. They did it with uh, Bloodsport. I mean, like they did it with all these different characters, and and even even the the characters that were were working for the woman who like sent him on this mission, they were not in the first Suicide Squad movie, and he gave them personality too. Like I love how they were like taking bets as to like who would die first and stuff. And she comes in, she's like, "What are you doing? Uh, oh, just a normal meeting. Oh, uh, yeah, good, yeah, good yeah. meeting, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're good. This is a casual. Really normal meeting. around here. Yeah, it's okay." Yeah, just again, it's infusing that personality uh, into even the, these these more supportive roles. So, if I had to give it a rating, which I'm happy to do, I would give this film four point five stars. That's where I would give it, and I would happily do so. I want to give a very big congratulations to James Gunn as well as the casting crew of this. Um, Man, you everyone just hit it out of the park as far as I'm concerned. It's amazing to me what you were able to accomplish with this. And and I got to say, you know, like especially in in this day and age, I'm I I really needed something fun 
And I got it in the Suicide Squad. Like it, it is a capital fun movie, as far as I'm concerned. Capital F. F yeah. Or f- <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can ex- you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, make sure you explode that subscription button, maybe <laughs> cling that notification bell. That way you will Jabble not... it right in the eyeball. Ooh, I like the way he thinks. That's very good. That way you won't miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week, every week. You can also do a search for us on social media. Just do an at Joygasm TV. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We look forward to hanging out with all of you again next week. See you guys.